It's Wednesday, January 16th. I'm Elisha Sessions, and this is Freaky Trigger and the Lollards of Pop. It's just a touch after 7 p.m., and you're listening to Resonance FM 104.4. Coming up, we reveal the headliner for this year's Glastonbury Music Festival. And once more, we have his Twitter messages from the future. Had a drink at school without having to cut class and football and politics. Are they actually the same thing? You're listening to Freaky Trigger and the Lollards of Pop, apparently the Internet's only sane collective. Our job is to drop science so that you can pick it back up again. Our Lollards this week are Tim Hopkins, Alex Campbell, and Peter Barron. Hello. 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 <laughs> I'm going to put your mics up so yeah. you can say hello. Hello. Can you say that again properly? Do you have to? No, you no, don't. <laughs> if it's Wednesday, it must be time for another American primary election result. Hooray! Right. This this time it's uh, I think uh, Tim you're still a little low on the mic there. Oh, I think we all are. Hmm. Uh, fascinating. I can't hear myself. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's let's try to figure this out here. Nora, do you have any advice? If I can't hear myself, then um, no one else can, and that's can only be a bonus. Ah, ah. suddenly. Wonderful. Is that better? Yeah, I can hear all of you now. Oh, well. Sorry. Good. Sorry about that. So what you're saying, you're, you're saying it's, it's Wednesday, it must be time for another primary election? Well, I think you might have read the news. I don't know how closely you follow this stuff over here, but Mitt Romney, who does look exactly like a president out of 24, the television <laughs> show, has, has won the Michigan primary uh, for the Republicans handily. No, no not with Okay, sorry. It doesn't matter because the Republicans aren't going to win the election anyway. The Republican oh, race that. is wide open. Whether they're going to win or not, uh, and the candidates will be looking to differentiate themselves. How will they do that? Well, one way that they do it is with campaign theme songs. Okay. American electoral politics has a long tradition of this, going right back to George Washington, who used Michael Jackson's You Want to Be Starting Something. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> and he did start something. Well, no, okay. But he did actually have a, a song specially written for him. Uh, have you got it? Well, n- no. Okay. I don't. Uh, th- these days... Candidates tend to, uh, they don't like paying writers, you know. Uh, so our candidates just play something off of a CD they've got knocking around. Okay. And PRS might have a problem with that. I don't know. Um, I'm going to play some theme songs from past American political campaigns and ask our Lollards if they can identify them. Um, Pete, are you ready? Okay, yes, I am, yeah. Um, Tim, you ready? Uh, yeah. Alex? Uh, yeah. Okay, uh, let's, uh, let's just listen to this one. Want the racist answer already? Or? Tune. You, you guys know this song? Yeah, of course, yeah. It was a theme tune to a terrible film in the mid 80s, actually. Well, it wasn't that. Yeah, true. Fair. Any guesses yet? Um, I'm going to go Jesse Jackson. Wrong. Good. Tim? I thought we'd get that one out of the way early. Tim? They say Bill Clinton was the first black American president, don't they? Some people do, yeah. Bill Clinton. Wrong. <coughs> Alex. Was it Lincoln? <laughs> <laughs> um, the, 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 the correct answer is Bob Dole in 1996. Ah, because it rhymes, running, it rhymes, right? Running, who, who, who changed the words uh, when he sang along with it to nice. Dole Man <laughs> uh, and was... 
just sort of the latest victim of a long line of Republican presidents, really, who uh, got told off by the original people who created uh, these songs. For instance, yeah. uh, Ronald Reagan was born in the USA in 1980, and uh, Bruce Springsteen told him to stop using his song. Hold on. He was born in the USA in 1980. Unlikely. Sorry, sorry. Excuse me. Excuse no me. wonder Bruce Maybe, maybe 94. <laughs> Where's my fact checker? <laughs> I think we're all here. Um, and and, uh, and who – what was it? I, th- I think somebody used um, – somebody – oh, I think it was uh, – I think it was Bob Dole again actually maybe. This I can't remember. But somebody uh, said that, oh, Bill Clinton was just telling everybody to, to don't worry and be happy. And, and, and Bobby McFerrin – McFerrin wasn't having any of that. <laughs> yeah, to stop using his so, phrase. So who, who objected to uh, Bob Dole using that? Was it, was it Hayes or Porter or uh – or was it Sam or Dave? Do we know? It was, uh, it was Sam. It was Sam. I believe Sam. I'm sure Dave needed all the money he could get. That, that, is, that song is by Sam and Dave. Um, they're, they're, I'm going I'm to play you guys another one here. Uh, you ready? See, this strikes me as it might be a re-election one. Sounds like a thing from the Rockford Files. Well, it's, you don't see nothing yet, obviously. Back yeah, 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 yeah. But we know that Reagan's 94 one was born in Zach. Can't copy that. You're right. Clinton. Clinton 80... No, so Clinton 92. Oh, Clinton 96. Clinton 96. Alex. I haven't got a clue. Just guess! Washington. <laughs> <laughs> I took what I could get as a strange message, isn't it? No, no, no you ain't seen nothing yeah, no, yet. But, but, but oh, yeah, songs, yeah. So no, took, that's so, true. So I took what I could get. That's good for a politician, I guess. No, I was honest. And it is quite uh, a sexual song as well. But George Bush Senior. Yeah, it's good guess. Good guess. This isn't what Hillary's using, is it? All oh, wrong. That was Gore in two thousand. Oh Christ! The bike. <laughs> I suppose. Well, because if you think about yeah, it, yeah. you know, you'd seen Gore for a full eight years at that point, <laughs> and he true. was trying to let people know that. We hadn't seen anything, yeah. And no. indeed, we we went with that and then didn't vote him in. Well, you didn't vote him in. I mean, all of the all of these songs are, you know, campaigns use many many songs over the course of a campaign to, you know, do whatever it is that they think these songs do. Um, what what do you guys think about 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 this this thing in American politics? I mean, do do British politicians use this? Oh this stuff? yes, oh the, yes. What what are what are some memorable? Well, the famous the famous one over here, of course, is D Rings. Things can only get better. Um, which are you aware of the song? I'm not. Uh, Alex, would you like to sing it for him? Uh, no, no, uh, never. No, 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 no. I'll have to I do don't it. Know how it goes? Um, it, it, it's basically it's basically a sort of a '93 sort of big rave, hands in the air anthem. Um, pop rave though. Pop basically, rave. Oh, very much so. Big room They're rave. a band with a colon in their name. Yes, true. It's oh, the colon ring. Yes. Yes. yes, and the track goes. Things can only get. Better can only get better. <laughs> Very aspirational. And then it gets really fuddy and you know you know boom 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 yeah. and you know and it hands in the air and, and of course you see pictures of John Prescott dancing to it and it's just not pleasant. So I'm gonna guess well Tony Blair. Yeah. Mm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't good. Now, I, can't, now, I can't think of any others, though. Yeah. There have been a few. There have he been had another one. He, he adopted yeah. another one famously, but I can't remember what on earth it was. Aye, 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 Mooski. Uh, 
there have been some, but they usually and usually the same story comes that then the artist is very pissed off and has to sort of say you can't use that, and they go, "Hey, we've got the mechanicals." Now, politicians are often asked by reporters in the in the this kind of in these fluffy sort of uh, lifestyle type profiles of them what their favorite song is, and it's always embarrassing, no matter what they answer. There's no right answer at all, is there? No. Even if it, I mean, if it was your favorite band, you'd hate it, right? There are lots of wrong answers. Well, there's there's not a single right answer because if they if they name something you know horribly unfashionable, you know, if they yeah. say I'm into Cliff Richard, mm. you know, that, 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 that people who like to read about music would think that's horribly unfashionable. Only a tiny slice of people would think, ha, he's really a man or uh, she's really a woman who knows their own mind. Most people would just think, ugh. <laughs> but then if they say, you know, Gordon Brown famously said he'd been listening to the Arctic Monkeys, didn't he? Mm. And everyone just went, oh. But uh, oh. The, the Arctic Monkeys at the time were uh, an incredibly popular band. Seeing, you know, lots of people thought they, they were, you know, very cool. They were a cool band for a lot of people. Which so what, what's wrong with them? Well, well, it's not that. It's that if you're a politician, you're not really into cool things, are you? Nobody really believed that he no, was into too. the cool, yeah. into the the new cool band. It seemed much. It seemed to me much more likely that he was um, naming the new cool band in order to identify himself with the new cool band. Like he'd had someone do some research for him. I've spent a small amount of time around people who spend their lives really interested in politics and actually living politics and doing politics politically mm-hmm. none of those people that i've met have been have had anything more than a passing interest in popular music uh you know that they, they generally speaking don't have time to uh to really get engaged in in winkling out anything other than the, the most obvious if they if and, they did have a passing interest in popular music more more than a passing interest in popular music would it would it seem almost to disqualify them as a serious person i wouldn't say so but at the same time i think it might do in the in the press i mean it's 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 certainly a way you could belittle someone i guess what i'm trying to get at is popular music is rock and roll and and pop is for if it's justified or not has has really been set up as this as a uh, anti-establishment kind of music, uh, individualism um, uh, kind of thing. So, Sometimes things you want in a politician, of course. You know, right. you do want the occasional... The outsider. Look at, look at Obama or whatever. I mean, look at, he, if he's coming in on a, on a wave of change, then he wants to be, you know, he, he wants to be associating himself. And I think, I believe, um, uh, Pete Went, uh, Fallout Boy today, came out for Obama. So, I mean, well, came out, he's, he's already out <laughs> in that way, but I mean... Well, here, here's, a, here's, a, uh, here, here's a track from... Um, Oh, he's sorry. A singer, I think. Uh, yeah. I'm only interested in the bassist. Oh, uh, in Fallout Boy, yeah. Well, because oh, really? he had that bit part in One Tree Hill, right? Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Where yeah. he started dating the high school girl, even though he was the bassist in Fallout Boy. It was amazing. This is an American uh, teen soap opera that you can watch on digital uh, television. If and I'm I recommend mistaken. you do. Starting at Series 1, Episode 1, and going all the way through. I believe there's a fourth series on now, but it hasn't really made it to the UK screen, sadly. But it's great. It's coming soon, Tim. It's coming it's soon. It's so emo. Here is, uh, here's, here's a song from a, a guy who positioned himself as an outsider um, and um, and see, see what you think of this. We're all making that kind of prissy guitarist face. Is this the spin doctors? <laughs> Oh, it's getting better. 
Just because they mentioned a truck. Yeah, I love trucks. In every city, in every town, somebody's gotta make the world go round. We the people move it, we the people know, we the people we run the country. We the people. So I'll give you a hint. This is Billy Ray Cyrus. Dad of Miley. Any guesses? Oh, this is this is another campaign song. Yeah. Country, I'm guessing Republican. Everyone has Bush, 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 um, two thousand. Pete is correct. Oh, Pete! Nobody loves a show off. Pete is right. <laughs> yeah, like I knew. Well, the, st- the story is that he sent that song to both campaigns, and within about half an hour, the Bush people called him up and said they wanted to use the it. Bush people. <laughs> yeah. and, I mean, it's, uh, it's interesting he's using an original song there, I guess. But he, he is a registered lifelong Democrat, Billy Ray Cyrus, and uh, apparently his dad was pretty disappointed about this turn of events, and he, he, said, uh, he said this is not a Democrat, Democrat song or a Republican song. It's a song about working people. And then, and then he sort of uh, changed his tune near the end of the interview and said, "No, this is a Democrat song." <laughs> did he? Did he? Did, did he uh, break his dad's achy breaky heart? Oh, Get in the bin, Pete. Sorry. Okay, now I'm going to take you back a little bit. Uh, let's see, Lincoln. If, let's see if you can identify <laughs> this one. No more, no more, no more bread line after this war. No more bread line. In the headline after this war. Hints with the war thing, I think. I'd mm-hmm. like to see oh, what war? Pick a war, any war. Anybody got anybody got any ideas? <clears throat> well, it would seem foolish to use that in in like the seventies. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so we're thinking the Second World War, aren't we? Really? Could be Korea. Could be Korea. It's unlikely. It's a bit late. It's a bit early for Korea. Yeah, I would say. Don't look at me. See, Eli's confused now because all of a sudden we've taken a collaborative approach when he expected us to be competing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He doesn't understand what's going on. So it's like university challenge now. Yeah. Yeah. Come yeah. on. No conferring. <laughs> I mean, he's Bush, he's NATO. G- give a guess, give a guess. Uh, Kennedy. Wrong. Roosevelt. Yes. Really? really? Which one? Yeah, you were just There's more your than bets. one? <laughs> 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 That was from 19, the, his 1944 presidential uh, campaign versus Thomas Dewey, which he won handily. Uh, I've got one more for you. So you didn't, you didn't, you didn't uh, suspend elections during the war? <clears throat> no way! You kidding? It just seems a bit of a distraction halfway through a war, mm. you know. Here's the next one. Uh-oh. Well, Little know ye who's coming, I'm guessing John Quincy. <laughs> hey! <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Who's John Quincy? Yeah. He was John Quincy Adams. He was the... the oh, that dude. The, the first, uh, that was the first real American <laughs> political presidential dynasty. He was the son... He was the sixth president and son of the second president, his dad, John Adams. Um, and, um, yeah, he, uh, that was actually the first election that was thrown to the House of Representatives because nobody got a uh, plurality... Or nobody got a majority 
of the vote. And he ended up winning over Andrew Jackson. Um, he made a deal, kind of a Gordon Brown, uh, Tony Blair deal with somebody else in, uh, in Congress to get it done, which Jackson called the corrupt bargain. And he, uh, <laughs> and he campaigned heavily on that for the next four years. And won Doesn't sound like much of a metaphor, really. It sounds like, <laughs> that was corrupt. I'm yeah. going to call that the corrupt bargain. Yeah. I don't want anyone getting the message wrong here at all. That's right. It's not it's just it like any old corrupt bargain. Right. It's the, it's it's the, the corrupt, corrupt <laughs> what it, Tim, what do you make of the, these American primaries? Is it, does it seem silly to you, this, this, this whole like, sort of fighting in, in and amongst your party for months and months and months before the election? It doesn't seem silly. It seems long. It seems mm. like they seem to go on forever, the kind of pre-primary positioning. The, primary, the primaries themselves just, just take bleeding months, as far as I can tell. Uh, and uh, it does it does seem to be uh, in place of politics some of the time mm. it's like you know you in could, place of well you could do with you could sometimes do with your leaders talking about national policy as it happens as opposed to this this lengthy um jockeying for position to become leader mm-hmm. uh and and talking about what i will do in the future as opposed to what's happening right now so you think that there's not a there's you don't it's not real time policy debate. That seems to be the case. It seems to be it seems to be you know this continual set of set of yes yeah, set in the future. Mm-hmm. You know this perfect world when candidate X is is president mm-hmm. and it, you know all of this will be done differently. But it's not relevant to right now because you know that it's not right now. So they're saying well in the you know in eighteen months time we'll be in a position where we can do this as opposed to come on guys get on with doing this right now you don't have a leader of the opposition yeah, you don't I mean, have somebody in position to say stop doing that or start doing this well you've got you've got i i guess you well you've got many leaders which is i guess not like not having a leader at all all right it's like communism <laughs> i mean the, 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 like no it's not much like communism at all no it's a, it a glib thing to say you're right to stamp me down on it um, i mean for me yeah I, mean, I, I completely agree with tim it's sort of we're going to have now we have what three four months of similarly aligned candidates saying why they are slightly different and then very little time for them to say exactly why the opposition are are terrible because at that point they're so diametrically opposed anyway you know that's almost taken as a given mm-hmm. though it shouldn't be and there should be a real discussion at that point about what will i do differently to the republicans or the democrats there's, there's also an element of um this weird second guessing part of the primary campaign because once you've identified yourself as a democrat um the process of choosing your democratic candidate is not so much about saying which set of policies do I believe in the most, as much well, as what's it about? Who's going to win? It's about saying which of these candidates is electable, mm. because I kind of broadly agree with all of these democratic candidates, or at least all of these are better than all of that lot. Yeah. So, which of these lot do I believe uh, might? political enemies living next door to me or down the street or you know in the next town or in the next state are gonna buy you know so you hear people saying so so uh, the, what's saying, the distinction know, though tim because sure surely people would would want to make that distinction based on no, their no, policies it's, right it, it's important it's important but you spend you sp- well it's it's not what policies do i believe yeah it's what policies are going to be electable more broadly yeah so <laughs> it's not it's not about you know yeah i believe this i'll sign up to it it's about what There's a lot do, of mind what, reading what going do on. I imagine, yeah. What do I imagine the broad plurality of the American people yeah. will be able to stomach? You know, and, and, and therefore you start getting, you start getting 
opinion polls being incredibly powerful Mm -hmm. because who knows who knows what people you know two thousand miles away who knows how they're going to react to a certain set of policy proposals so the the pollsters and the way that things are represented in the press and the way that the polls are represented in the press become enormously powerful and there seems to be this huge black art to working out who the hell's ahead in the primaries mm-hmm. and of course the, the, the system why, i mean how the hell do we know that that i mean at the moment it's wide open after what three primaries well, 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 we, can, Republican jam, yeah, we can see that we, right. do, we don't right. really know. I mean, the, yeah. the, we have lo- all this polling. But and there then seems it, to be a massive amount of the, surprise yeah. that it's wide open. Yeah. It's like normally you, 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 you know, people are going, wow, this is a really unusual campaign. Mm. It's wide open. Well, hold on a minute. You've got another, you know, if you, you've got another 50, almost 50 of these to go. Yeah. How do you know it's wide open? What's going on? And, and, and it means that the pollsters have got a, a huge amount of power in this thing. And the, the pundits have a, a massive amount of power. And, and the, the game appears to be about, <clears throat> from the candidate's point of view appears to be about persuading the pundits about who's winning more so than, yeah. the, than the public well, the, more the, so than the public the remarkable thing about american politics i find is the whole the whole issue of conceding as well the fact that once you've got a few votes in and once the polls are going a particular way so it's, oh, okay i've lost this one before you right. even count them i've lost this I'm, I'm conceding and this the whole thing in the sort of gore bush one was that he didn't no one conceded it was like well yeah I'd, if i was running for election i'd kind of want people to count the votes first and then let me know if i have more or less and that causes problems in the long run but that, that's a bit that that, that <laughs> It's a bit that's the strangest to me, the kind of black art bit of, you know, in order to stay up with this massive race that's got, you know, untold millions of people voting in it and interested in it. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, literally having an interest in the in the result. And yet it seems to, that, that it seems to be decided on a kind of finger in the air basis that, that doesn't seem to have much basis in actual real science. But isn't there something great about what the, what the system does uh, allow is is allows everybody to be an armchair general it allows right. every it lets everybody it almost encourages it seems everyone everyone to not just think about what candidate they like the best but as you said try to read the minds of everyone else and to sort of do their own version of a football fantasy league or a or a or a baseball fantasy I, league I'm where not, they where where they try to <coughs> try to play people off each other, play the percentages. If I were this guy's campaign manager, what would I do? Yeah, I'm not I mean, ragging on this in theory. You know, I mean, I mean, it, it, I'm not it, saying it, it behooves it behooves a, a, a British person to start telling Americans about about democracy, right? And you know, and there are all kinds of all kinds of holes in all different democratic systems. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not trying to just say like, ha ha, look at that lot. They they are they funny. Mm-hmm. Um, the the problem with that is um, it, it doesn't it doesn't set the system up for campaigns and mass movements mm-hmm. because it, it's already a kind of defeatist. Well, you know, the great body of people aren't going to buy this, so there's just no point in foregrounding it. You know, but so I mean, I guess all of a sudden the environment becomes something of a campaigning point this time. But up to up to this election. You know, issues like the environment. There was just no point in even putting them on the table because the the great body of electors just weren't going to get interested in it. It didn't matter if somebody really pushed that hard, mm-hmm. because you had this normalising effect that everybody had to aim for um, this imaginary American public, and nobody could take the risk of saying, "Well, we can pull the imaginary American public a long way out of where we believe they are." Mm-hmm by the you know by the force of our argument you know that's that's an incredibly risky strategy to be to be staking millions of dollars upon is there something to be said for uh the fact that this hashing out between um uh people who belong to the same party so far in advance uh allows people um voters to start thinking about things earlier and uh 
and just sort of have a tr- the, some sort of transparency to the process uh, as, as opposed, for instance, to the way things work here where people go have dinner with each other and decide who's going to be the next uh, – well, they still have votes within the party and so on. I think one thing about our system is that you, you, are, you tend to be stuck with, OK, so we've got Cameron as a leader of opposition. He is probably going to be running in the next election. We've had five years of watching him react to the same thing that the Prime Minister does. He doesn't actually have to do the policy, of course. So we've got five years of him sniping. But there's also a real sense that you know, there are things that he can't say. So that means he ends up saying, you know, OK, there are things that they will agree on, but things that he would say, if we were in power, we would do this. And we yeah. would turn and go, no, we wouldn't want that to happen. Well, we mm-hmm. would. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we see him also acts as a statesman, whereas actually, okay, we haven't seen Barack Obama, we haven't seen Hillary mm-hmm. Clinton as mm-hmm. a leader in that way. So I mean, you're saying you don't mind so much not being able to sort of choose who that leader person is, as long no. as you get more of a chance to, to kind of evaluate uh, as the days go by who what, what they stand for. Well, because over here it's about the party rather than the person, though that has shifted massively, but that's, that's what it should be, and that's, well, that's how, it, how it's seen, and we are voting for our local MP. Alex, when's the, what's, what's the first American election that you can remember being contested? For me, it was, uh, for me, it was Jimmy Carter and, and, and Ronald Reagan. Like, do you remember having an awareness of, no. the, of American presidents? Kind of? Alex didn't know no. they had elections in America. <laughs> no, I thought they were just wild savages and... <laughs> I ate loads of sandwiches. Um, right, I'm, I'm interested in this no, because... I don't remember any until maybe the... Stop laughing Sorry. at me. Until the one that we... There was a while ago. Like, maybe since 2000, I've noticed. I sound like I'm about 12 now, don't I? So, so, so Bill, Bill Clinton versus George Bush Sr., the, the fact that happened registered, but the whole election process, you, you yeah. didn't really notice. Well, I knew that there were presidents in America. <laughs> that was seriously. That was about it. I, I mean, the, pro- the process has only really been started to be aped on in a sort of similar ways as the Americans one in the last sort of eight years, probably. I mean, I, I don't really remember much about primaries way back when, but I may be wrong. But I don't remember sort of. I remember Super Tuesday being talked about a bit, but it not being just on all the time and being lead story in the news. It just wouldn't be. Mm. Well, there's a lot more news now. So that's true, yeah. right? Um, and we didn't care so much. No, exactly. No. no. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the other thing is, the other thing is, from our point of view, is it's not at all clear to me that any of us Anglos sitting in this room uh, have the first idea what we're going on about. Mm. You know, we, 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 we kind of have this, we have this broad impression of what's going on, and because it looks weird and unfamiliar, it's like, well, how, how can that work? So we're all sort of saying, well, that seems a bit strange. And, um, and, and working out who to support... At this stage, well, you don't get so, to vote him. No, well, I'm, I'm sure, but you do. You do. You do end up rooting for a team, don't you? Yeah. I mean, and and, and it's never stopped me in some countries. It's like, well, the the thing is that. <laughs> well, you don't the, have to register in some states, do you? The, Carry on, sorry. The thing is with the thing is with this. You know, in most in most elections abroad that we get co- that we hear covered in in our media, we are faced with the battle of. Left wing or right wing, broadly mm-hmm. speaking, yeah. mm-hmm. you know we 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 understand the way the battle lines are drawn. It's nationalist against socialist, and you know sometimes that gets blurry, and you have to spend a little bit of time working out who sta- who stands where in mm-hmm. that in that spectrum. But according to where we stand on that spectrum, we can understand who you, who we root for. This is really unusual because actually, you know, I look at the well in in this case the Democratic Party, and I think well. Broadly speaking, I would have to do a lot of research to really put a cigarette paper between most of these guys mm. and and you know guys mm. being within each party term yeah, within yeah. each term. Yeah. You know, I know from my point of view that I'm going to be more pleased if the Democrats win than if the Republicans win. Mm. But like you know, 
fundamentally, I don't have the information to really differentiate policy-wise between Hillary and Barack Obama and John Edwards. Well, I think many Americans don't either. Well, I, I suspect um, that that's true. But yeah. then, you know, because I'm... I mean, maybe because I'm a football supporter, but because I, because of the way I engage with these things, and because it's a competition, you know, instinctually you sort of pick pick a team. Do you go for the underdog? Well, you might. I, I, I don't no, less so in politics. Yeah, I think I think it's mu- it's much more you pick something on a more or less random basis. You know, in the, in the same way that you know, how do you select nice kit? How do you select a football team? Yeah, I like the I like the red and white stripes of their kit. That looks cute. Or they're my local team. Mm. Or or my dad supported those teams mm. or you know or yeah. my mum supported that team or yeah. you know there's a hundred different reasons i i once knew a bloke i once met a bloke who was a northampton town fan really went to all the games really big northampton town fan and i asked him why he was a northampton town fan because he didn't seem to have any connection with northampton and he said well the thing was when i was a kid all my family were southampton fans and i just <laughs> wanted to do the opposite <laughs> <laughs> and that would be Northampton rather than Portsmouth. Exactly. Yeah. So he became. A, so uh, you know, and and I mean, in this one, particularly with the Democrats, in terms of rooting for a team, you know, it, from again from the point of view of of me, I suppose it's like it would be dead cool to have a female president. Yeah. It would also be dead cool to have a black president. You know, either of those things are really big wins in my kind of rather blinkered world, and and. I'm not quite sure which team to pick. See, I, I, I've I've picked Clinton because she would she did it first, or she 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 bagsied first. I'm going to be the woman president before the black president threw his hat in the ring. I think that and so that, that's that's my ridiculous reason. That is my hopeless reason. You know, it's like hey, it would be cool to have a woman president. It would be cool to have a black president. She said it first. Tim, uh, you've got a song for us. What is it? I am going to ask you to press the button and play 19-something by Mark Wills, which is a... Uh, what's, what's interesting about this song, very quickly, what's interesting about this song, it's a country song, as, as people will be expecting from me these days, I'm sorry about that, chaps. Um, lots of country songs seem to appeal to people on the basis of shared experience. Lots of those are about shared experience through job or life experiences or, you know, drinking or adultery or, you know, lots and lots of things. This one unusually although not uniquely seems to try to appeal to people on the basis of um them having grown up at the same time so it it, and it's clearly aimed at people precisely around my age and so it presses all kinds of buttons for me lyrically Uh, i'm not sure that it would for anybody else or people that were substantially apart from me in age um it's terrific all right Star Wars at least eight times Had the Pac-Man pattern memorized And I've seen the stuff they put inside Stretch Armstrong, yeah I was Roger Stahlbag in my backyard Had a shoebox full of baseball cards And a couple of evil Knievel scars On my right arm Well, I was a kid when Elvis died and my mama cried It was 1970-something In the world that I grew up in Fair faucet hairdo days Bell bottoms and A-track tapes and Looking back now I can see me Oh man, did I look cheesy But I wouldn't trade those days for nothing 
1970-something It was the dawning of a new decade We got our first microwave Dad broke down and finally shaved the most sideburns off I took the stickers off of my Rubik's Cube Watched MTV all afternoon My first love was Daisy Duke and them cut-off jeans Space shuttle fell out of the sky And the whole world cried It was 1980-something In the world that I grew up in Skating rinks and black transams Big hair and parachute pants And looking back now I can see me And oh man did I look cheesy I wouldn't trade those days for nothing now I got a mortgage and an SUV But all this responsibility Makes me wish sometimes It was 1980-something In the world that I grew up in Skating rinks and black transams Big hair and parachute pants And looking back now I can see me Oh man, did I look cheesy I wouldn't trade those days for nothing Oh, it was 1980-something 1970-something Oh, it was 19-something Indeed. Um, folks, we have an exclusive. Uh, we just uh, got the um, we, we got this piece of paper. It's uh, the, I don't most people don't know who the headliner for Glastonbury is. We we do, and we we oh, actually yes. we actually have his uh, his Twitter log. Uh, What's a Twitter log, Eli? Well, I don't even know, but I'm going to read it out for <laughs> you anyway. This is from the future, by the way. Um, Jay Z's gold chain has fallen off in the mud in front of a portaloo. <laughs> Jay-Z has been queuing for a cash point for 25 minutes now and is only halfway down the queue and is in desperate need of a wee. <laughs> Jay-Z has tripped over a guy rope. Jay-Z is unable to pitch his tent anywhere other than right next to the new band's tent. Jay-Z's mobile phone battery is dead and he's not sure where his friends are and the only alternative is standing around vainly near the other stage mixing desk while Mika is playing. <laughs> Jay-Z's dad's stool has a bent leg. <laughs> so- Nas has stolen Jay-Z's wellies. <laughs> We're assuming that Jay Z is the uh, is the headliner. Then is um, this the information we've got from Future? That's it. Um, I don't. I, like, I don't. Like, I don't know what this Twitter stuff is. Uh, Alex, can you enlighten us uh, or me? Really? Since I'm <laughs> Twitter uh, seems to be a thing where you send a message via the internet or a text message yeah. of 140 characters maximum, and other people can then read it and get it, and they, it just seems to be. a pointless waste of time hold on isn't that what normally happens with text messages yeah, yeah what's the difference between that and a normal text message it costs less yeah <laughs> or does it go to lots of people yeah That's so it goes yeah. to lots of people so, so you yeah, can have your twitter say, when friends. i send the text message but I, other people can get it That's so in particular if you're, if you're at glastonbury you can send a twitter out and say to all your pe- all your people at glastonbury i'm going to be somewhere all the people who are on who aren't there ha, i'm at glastonbury or <laughs> he's a glastonbury hang on hang on i'm not such a cro-magnon that i don't have a phone and have never you know text message people i have done that and in fact i can 
send a text message to many people at once, so I still don't see the difference. It costs no. you for each one you do, whereas this only costs once. Oh, okay. But apart from that, yeah. apart from that, really, it's, it's just, pointless. Yes, I would say so. It just goes up to make up the noise. So, are we so, when, so when so when if somebody who's twittering you mm. uh, sends one out, and you're on that list, mm. you get it. Yeah. You get you get a little text message from yeah. them, your friend, yeah, Jay Z, whatever. Yes, what yeah. telling? Them and you about. get to see that so and so has got one sock on today, or such and such a person is sitting down near the front and is wearing a hat. All really useful information, I think, yeah, for day-to-day it's, life. It's vital stuff, really. So, hold on. Does, does everyone use Twitter uh, talking about themselves in the third person? I can't. For some Jay-Z, people. Yeah. Jay-Z yeah. clearly yeah. does. Well, he's, he's really allowed to. Alan Shearer's going to do what's best <laughs> for Alan Shearer. <laughs> That's not managed Newcastle. <laughs> I don't understand the football jokes. Sorry. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a common thing in football talk to talk about yourself in the third person, you see. Okay. See, it, stri- it strikes me that this is very similar to the kind of thing, if, if any of our listeners are on Facebook, uh, it strikes me as a very similar kind of thing to the news feed on that. When somebody decides that they're going to have lunch, often they will update their status. Yeah. Sorry, status. And, um, Both work. And, and, th- and this all, I think this all sort of came from MySpace and things like that as well, where you sort of alerted people as to your mood. For instance, I'm happy. I'm angry. People would get a little update you know, they're doing yeah. such and such. And it just strikes me that it's all quite pointless. And Oh. Well, it's Don't you want to know if I'm it's, happy? You know, I'm... No. <laughs> I was thinking about silence earlier in a sort of quite depressing way and thinking that there's not really very much of it. Um, society is louder nowadays. Um, and I think uh, one of the things I read was something about... There's a lot more lo-fi noise rather than hi-fi noise. I mean, there's a lot of background hum a lot of the time. And, um, yeah, pretty much like that. But things like, you know, background traffic noises and appliances, domestic appliances, things like that. And um, we sort of use noise to distract ourselves from thinking about things. We sort of use it to mediate our emotions a lot of the time, Mm. which means that we never really get a chance to sort of sit down and think about it because we're always putting a radio on or doing something. And it's not just... Um, I was trying to think of the best way to describe this, but I suppose sounds is the right word. It's not just sounds, it's other things that we're consuming that are sort of just stopping us from stopping and thinking. And I know it sounds a bit hippie-ish and everything, but... <laughs> if anyone's going to sound a bit hippie. <laughs> yes, it's going to be me. Um, but I think it would be quite nice not to be bombarded by all this stuff. And um, there's a number of things. I've written them down. <laughs> Silently? Yes, I, I don't type and talk out loud at the same okay. time. That, that the clacking noise of the typing. I type very softly. Okay. It's very good. Um, but I, I sort of divided them into sort of, you know, things in the modern world that are stopping us from, you know, that are providing this extra layer of, I'm calling it noise, but it's not really noise. It's it, just it doesn't have to be specifically audio. No, not at all. Definitely not. Information um, of one kind or another. Yeah. And it's the things that you check every day. You check your email, you check your text messages, you, you might have Google Reader installed, you'd check that. Social networking sites like Facebook, like Twitter, they just kind of cycle round and round. And once you've checked you, you know, your gamut of things, you go back to the start again. And so I, you I always... check for testicular cancer. Yeah, so we've got Facebook and, and when do you testicles. get to check your head? <laughs> as soon as I can, really. Well, no, that's the point. You don't. Never. No. Yeah. And sometimes, um, sometimes these various things uh, infect uh, other little channels as well. Like someone, someone, uh, someone updates their status on Facebook and suddenly it sends you an email. Does it? Yeah, it does to me. Well, make it stop. That sounds very yeah, annoying. Yeah, that sounds really annoying. Yeah. Um, but I, th- I think, on the whole, 
things like you know blog aggregators and you know text messages and email they serve a purpose and they're they're good and i i love the fact that they exist okay although it seems quite antisocial sometimes to opt out of them or to you know switch your phone off sometimes that you know you sort of feel you feel out of the loop and other people try to contact you and i think they get a bit aggrieved that you're not sort of answering but i think that's part of what these things are kind of for right is to create little uh pools of people right of uh a social yeah. network. It's a it's a group. You want bleeding jam on it, you do? I do, I do. But can you I can't, talk you about can't complain about, ways, you yeah. can't about you can't complain about like, you know, having too much information and then say, Yeah, but I feel bad if I'm turning it all no, off. No, I'm not really complaining about that and I it's just me that feels a bit guilty. But there there are other things <laughs> it's not I just think you, actually. Okay. Oh, a lot of people do, yeah. But there's other things that I think are actually totally pointless and utterly they're, the, they're sort of fulfilling this need that people seem to have just to keep talking for the sake of talking, similar to what I'm doing right now. Um, <laughs> well, well they're I mean, on the radio. Dead air, dead air on the I'm, radio I'm is a no-go. I'm totally go. hypocritical because, yeah. I mean, my point is that sort of forums like the BBC's Have Your, Have Your Say forum, to me, just seem like a waste of time. They're just places where there is no sort of actual debate. It's just a bunch of opinions cobbled together I'm all in one place. I'm not even sure they count as opinions, a lot of those. And there's definitely well, no, no, no cobbling. Exactly. So there's, there just seems to be this, this desire Couple to minutes. sort of surround ourselves with noises and words just for the sake of doing it so that we don't have to think about things. And I, for one, am sick of it. Well, just for the sake of, of injecting a little more audio <laughs> into our show, yeah. can, can you tell us about this song that we're about to hear? Is it track 15 or 11? <laughs> oh, I think it's track 15. Okay. It's, I think it's... Um, it's the Fiery Furnaces yes. and... Um, I've forgotten its name. I, I think it might be Benton Harbour Blues Reprise or something. Indeed, it is. Oh, hey. Thank for that.
That was Benton Harbor Blues by the Fiery Furnaces. Reprise. Or something. <laughs> it's a reprise. It was a reprise. Good. You didn't know your stuff. The main yeah. thing's really long. It was what you read out before you <laughs> I didn't read anything. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, I think Pete has, has something for us, Pete. I do, yes. Um, uh, you're right about that segue. Um, I was, I was um, in a pub in um, uh, Holloway, which I often you know, frequent the swimmer. Mm-hmm. And someone said to me, Rubbish. someone said Lovely. to me, bit weird that this pub is so close to a primary school. And I, I said to them, don't you know about primary school pubs? And they looked at me like I was some kind of fool. <laughs> and so I thought, since there didn't seem to be an awful lot of knowledge about this, um, the, the issue of what was known as primary school pubs in the, in the mid-70s uh, needed to be raised. And now you, you worked in a pub, right, Eli? I did work in a pub a and long time ago. mid in the summer of 1994. And what pub did you work in, Eli? The Antelope. That's in off the King's Road, right? I don't want to give them any really good advertising because because uh, they weren't. Well, let's good. just say we had our our, uh, our differences. So, what were the what were the licensing hours there at the time? You, did you close on a Sunday afternoon, for instance? Mm, I think at that point we were open and right up until no, we we were only open until ten right. on a Sunday. Okay, well, basically, well, there there were two major licensing law changes in this country in the last sort of twenty years. One was around about if I remember right, the eighty seven eighty eight happy days, which was when what used to happen was pubs used to open at 11 and close at 2 and then reopen at 5. And they closed at 3. 3, was it 3? Yeah. Okay. And they closed at 5. And so they reopened at 5. Yeah. And, and so... That what, what, closing what, the what was this for? It's basically... It comes, comes back to the First World War when um, basically uh, the, they didn't want people staying in the pub all day. They'd rather so, they went to work in the munitions factories. factories yeah. So, however, however, so 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 this is this is why our, so, our so, so, so prior to World War Two, no this licensing. arrangement didn't exist. Well, no uh, World War One hours prior to World War One, there were yeah. no licensing. Prior to World War One, yeah, no. no, you could you could go to the pub. I mean, whenever you, know, you could open your pub at any point. I don't know whether you had to have a license to sell alcohol. I think you did, but you there probably were no, did, yeah. it wasn't time. There it wasn't times. hour of the day based. Okay. So, but however, there are there were a couple of exceptions to this. I mean, and also the Sunday thing, which changed in ninety four, which was that you had to close on Sunday afternoon as well. Um, that's that changed, and then we've had the recent license one. But there were a couple of exceptions to this this licensing law about these these strict hours, which were um, market pubs. Mm-hmm. Market pubs could open in the morning, basically when because market store traders basically, particularly around say Spitalfields and so on, would be well known for this. So a market pub would be a pub that just happens to be right next to a market. Yeah, right. yeah, and they'd, they they would add, they would put in for their license as a market pub. Mm. There was the, the other one was Dockers pubs or Dockers and and sort of fishermen pubs. Um, again, same thing. People coming in from being in the sea, coming in the morning, and the third. Well, so if you told them they couldn't drink, they just whack you over the head. Yeah, well, with, with the fish. Uh, with, with, yeah, and yeah. Does the fish have chips? Um, <laughs> but the other one, which is much less known, were, were what would be called instructor pubs, or became known as primary school pubs. Instructor pubs. Um, after the First World War, there was also the other the other group of people who could go to the pub after they were working were people who were instructing um, teachers, basically, and this loophole remained in the law. So basically, you could have if a pub was close to a school, they could get um, dispensation to open at three o'clock. Now, since pubs close at three, that meant they could be open all afternoon. Um, so this, this, right. yeah. So it's quite bizarre in some ways when you think about it. It's the oddly, strangely um, protected group of people. But um, so yeah, so there'd always be like one pub. One of the ways because you got to make sure your teachers can have a drink when they finish. They, they finish work, it. and it's it's a high stress op- occupation. 
And especially in the afternoon. Well, well, that's when they come out. So they come out of school. So Prim- primary schools, though. Well, it wasn't just yeah. primary school. I mean, the point was this was all schools and, and colleges as well. Okay. But what would happen and what started happening? In right. Sort so of because because school would let out at three, half three, something yeah, like that. Yeah. So that wouldn't get. So the the interesting about this about about this was that um, in the sort of late sixties, early seventies, it became a problem with the schools. Um, to get the license, by the way, you had to the a head teacher of the nearby school had to write to the magistrate saying this will be our designated pub. You couldn't just open five pubs around the school and just go bang. So it was only over one. There was only over one pub um, in the area. In the early seventies, there was um, a a couple of incidents, um, a particular one in Maidenhead, um, where a, there was a sort of a school riot. Basically, what had happened was some prompt some sixth form kids had started going to the pub, and there was a big fight. And there's much said that this is a, this is where. Um, Eaton Rifles comes from the, the, the incident that, that Eaton Rifles is about and by the jam is actually this, this fight in Maidenhead um, so then magistrates stopped allowing licences to any school nearby so then you've got this whole thing where actually they only started allowing it to, school, to pubs near primary schools which is where primary school pubs come in. Okay. Uh-huh. And so... Because there's, there's, no, there's no real danger there. The of, kids uh, aren't going to go to yeah, the thing. Yeah. So, for instance, we had, a, we had a pub on the site of our school, on the very corner of the site of our school, which, was, which would open at three. So, and it would be where basically all the drunk people in town would go at that time, as you'd imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was all through the 70s. It didn't mean anything to me because I didn't know about public. You didn't have to hours. show any ID. You didn't have to show a no, teacher's ID. you didn't have to ID, show you were, a, you were a teacher. Yeah. And, and it's extra two hours, what, what the hay. Sure. But in some ways, a bit weird. You're, you're attracting loads of drunkards to a school. But, you know, in the early 80s, of course, this started going away completely. Um, magistrates just said this is just actually a bit weird. Rather than change the law to get rid of it all completely, they just stopped writing, writing these licences. Mm. So there's this great... This is why there are a lot of primary schools near pubs. Sorry, pubs near primary. So they, start, they stopped granting new licenses. Yeah, and, but the and old ones are st- well. The old, the old ones would have to get renewed every three years, mm. and so they'd, they'd take they take the early early opening license out, um, and that was the early eighties. Then it changed in the late eighties. So there's a period about yeah. about seven or eight years where yeah. the primary school pub phenomenon, which would be when my when my peers would be around, it just just vanished. So that's why people don't really know about it, and it was it was this. Strange thing. Now, I said you had something for us, and, and, and I meant it. Yeah. I, I heard that you had a poem that you wanted to read to us. I'm not, I'm not reading it to you. I believe it's, it, it starts on my track. Oh. Oh. But uh, it's a beautiful piece of work um, from uh, the, the Eight Seasons of Chromalox. The season now is cold and white, and all the trees are bare. The grass is brown and flowers down, but I don't seem to care. Cause even though my toes get tight when I walk to the store, I know there's heat for my poor feet, and cold means even more. Ever notice how fresh and clean and wonderful cold can be? When you're going home, Chromalox creates the kind of warm that helps you love cold. It's a smooth, quiet, toasty warm that brings the season to life. Your friend of 
That was uh, Charlton Lido, and uh, this is a company town, um, yeah. a section of it. This is the, one of the middle sections. The actual track is about 30 minutes long, and we'll be up on Freaky Trigger tomorrow for you to download, because it's terrific. The, uh, the address there uh, is freakytrigger.co.uk. Marvellous. The, the main bit there, the, uh, the main bit of music you heard there, which was from the eight seasons of Chromalocks, uh, was by a guy called Charles Title. But the bit at the end here we listen to at the moment is uh, the Exxon Oil song. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Gareth's put together some terrific stuff there. But you were saying Hold too on. about Exxon, the... Exxon Oil song. George Bush, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you might be right, yeah. Yeah? yeah? <laughs> you, were say, you, yeah. Were saying, you were saying to him about the afternoon locking because we, we didn't quite get round to the, the joys of the afternoon locking. Oh, but. afternoon lockings. I only, I was, I'm only just old enough to have caught afternoon lockings, to have been old enough to get served in pubs. Is when that when the pub would, would, would close and they would let the people who were in there stay, stay. in there? You yeah, get oh, that's in. good. Which is, you know, I mean, we, we, we those of us of an, of an age are, are used to the concept of a lock-in. Um, you know, i.e. the after 11 o'clock that we were so used to from, from mm. most of my adult life. But I was just old enough to catch the afternoon lock-in, and I only ever had one or two, but it seemed like a, a, a promised land of, of joy and 
your evening was completely destroyed in the way that it generally is if you're drinking really heavily from about noon. Well, but you yeah. go into the pub, <laughs> you go into the pub, you know, you think you've got your two and a half, three hours of drinking. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, at half past two, quarter to three, when they're lining up to kick you out, they just lock the doors and they're like, Come on then, lads. Well, they're they're oh, they're about to kick us out too. Uh, th- that is our show. Please stay tuned to Resonance FM 104.4 Resonance, uh, for an hour of who knows what. Followed at, at nine by a Middle East Panorama with Nadim Majoub. At eleven, it's fifty fifty sound system with Jabif, Papa Milo, and special guests bringing you old school reggae and instrumental dub classics. I'm Elisha Sessions. Our guests were Peter Barron, Yay. Alex Campbell, <laughs> and Tim Hopkins. Boo. And this is the new midweek number one uh, by. Obama girl. <laughs> Thank all of you for your time, your suggestions, your encouragement, and your prayers. And I look forward to continuing our conversation in the weeks and months to come. Hey B, it's me. If you're there, pick up. I was just watching you on C-SPAN. <sighs> anyway, call me back. You seem to float onto the floor Democratic Convention 2004 I never wanted anybody more Than I want you So I put down my carry sign Knew I had to make you mine My black and sexy, you're so fine Cause I got a crush on you Can't wait till 2008 Baby, you're the best candidate I like it when you get hot on Hillary in debate Won't you pick up your phone? Cause I got a crush on you Can't wait till 2008 Baby, you're the best candidate Up in the Oval Office You'll get your head of state I can't leave you alone you're into border security Let's break this border between you and me Universal of care reform It makes me warm You tell the truth unlike the right You can love but you can fight You can rock me tonight Get your head of state 